Hi guys, welcome to the FinTech Coffee Break. I'm your host, Isabel Castro, and today I shared my coffee break with Michelle Alt, partner and co-founder of Claros. Claros is an advisory and investment firm focused on innovation in financial services, helping clients navigate the difficult regulatory landscape facing financial institutions as they develop for the future. I sat down with Michelle to talk about the recent Silicon Valley Bank crisis and what her view is for possible regulation and innovation in its wake. Hey, Michelle, good to have you on the show. Hey, Isabel, thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you on. Um, So to begin with, I want to know what gets you up in the morning. Well, about three cups of coffee. (laughs) But after that, what really energizes me is having a big puzzle to solve. Uh, I love really thorny and complex projects that uh, require multidisciplinary teams and a diversity of approaches to solve. And I know that's really nerdy, but I get really excited trying to tread my way through complex regulatory issues on behalf of our clients. A great example, of course, are the myriad issues that uh, are flowing from the SVB and other failures. Uh, at, at Claros, my firm, we've been fielding many, many calls in recent days that require our team's deep expertise in banking operations, risk management, bank resolutions, and regulatory powers. It's been exhausting, but very, very interesting. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, we'll get into that in depth in this interview, but to begin with, well, first of all, how did you come to found Claris? What was the journey? Well, Isabel, I, I get asked about my journey a lot these days, and that's probably a sign that I'm getting old. But in retrospect, my career unfolded in a way that looks very deliberate, but really was spurred by a stroke of luck. Um, I had the opportunity when I graduated from law school uh, to serve as a judicial clerk uh, at the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. And at that time, uh, the court was handling very high-profile litigation stemming from the SNL crisis. And from there, I was just hooked on uh, banking and regulation. As I said, pretty nerdy, I know. Uh, From there, I moved on to the OCC, and I can't imagine a better education in financial regulations. I had a first row seat in many of the most impactful matters of banking and regulation over the years, including during and after the financial crisis. And after we were mostly finished at the OCC with Dodd-Frank regulatory implementation, I began to wonder how banks were coping with all these new regulations. So I moved to Chicago to serve as OCC district counsel there rather than remain in sort of the ivory tower of DC. And I quickly learned that the answer to how banks were doing post-Dodd-Frank was not very well. They were completely overwhelmed and often frustrated by the apparent lack of understanding in DC on the impact of all these regulations. So I left the government and went into consulting. I, uh, I, I joined Promontory Financial Group and I enjoyed being able to help clients solve problems rather than just create them. But I also quickly learned that too much of consulting for my taste was focused on relatively short-term solutions to broader problems. And rather than play cleanup with my clients, I wanted to help them strategize for success. And that led to Claros, 
which I founded along with my brilliant partners, Conrad Alt, yes, he's my husband, Brian Graham, Adam Shapiro, and Joan Crane. Wow. Okay. And yeah, as you said, I mean, you must be coming invaluable for a lot of people right now in the current kind of SVB crisis. Um, So in the wake of this, where are we with regulation? What do you think the outlook is? Well, I think it's a little too uh, soon to tell, but I will say that after this past weekend, um, banks should prepare for additional regulation and increasing regulatory scrutiny of risk management, particularly interest rate risk management. It's sort of a duh, but that's definitely uh, in the offing and, and certainly overdue. You know, and regulators are going to need to address the underlying drivers of the SVB failure, which were losses on bad interest rate bets and the high level of uninsured deposits, right? And there are a variety of regulations that could be revised or implemented to address these issues. Um, But it's really important to remember that SVB was mostly a simple failure of bread and butter interest rate risk management. And the regulators had plenty of information available to see that failure of interest rate risk management um, plainly, right? That's probably a topic for another time, but um, certainly there's going to be a lot of questions asked about what the regulators were aware of and why they didn't act sooner. One thing I fear, Isabel, is that um, the recent failures will be cited by regulators as um, a reason to further resist innovative business models in the banking system. But again, SVB didn't fail because it was too innovative. SVB failed because it was too lax and regulators were apparently not paying sufficient attention. Okay. What is your opinion on the general regulatory landscape for financial institutions? Are they are they sufficient for financial institutions, uh, even though SVB was lax? Like, should it have been lax? Are the building blocks there? Uh, so my opinion is banks are um, among the most heavily regulated entities um, in our economy. I don't think you'd find a bank anywhere saying they should be more heavily regulated, right? It's a very complex system. um, And we have very intense, typically, uh, regulatory um, supervisory oversight of the banks. Mm -hmm. Um, And what effect do do you see this having on kind of a wider scale, this uh, orthodox regulation the regulators now well i think it um so far has served to um increase the barrier to fintech entry into the the regulated bank perimeter Mm -hmm. Uh, i think there are many interesting questions um now arising in light of recent events um you know, banks have incredible competitive advantages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, um, first and foremost, the privilege of lower cost funding and payment system access. Um, and in light of uh, this past weekend, uh, 
they certainly have access to a very favorable Fed um, liquidity facility. And I think there will be increasing pressure on the government to just announce they are um, covering all insured deposits henceforth. So imagine um, the advantage that a bank can say, no matter what, your money is uh, as good as the government guarantee backing it. That's that's quite significant. Okay. And there's this um, whole idea of regulatory capture. I'm not sure whether this fits into this, but if you could tell me a little bit about what that is, uh, why it's happening, and where you see it's most prevalent at the moment. Yeah. So... Um, Regulatory capture. Mm-hmm. Um, again, banks don't want to share their competitive advantages with new bank entrants, mm-hmm. right? Particularly with fintech entrants that have so far taken market share by doing a better job at serving customers, right? Um, and no one who works in this area is naive about the influence incumbent banks have on the regulatory agencies. But it's a shame, particularly in light of President Biden's executive order on promoting competition in the American economy uh, and all the regulators' concerns about concentrated market power, that we have this regulatory capture dynamic. And there are many ways in which regulatory capture can play out. Where I personally see its effects are in the de novo bank chartering process, the process for chartering a new bank. Um, When the regulators stop an applicant from entering the the banking system, they effectively reward incumbents by stifling competition. What effect would this have on the smaller banks, the neobanks, fintech in general? Yeah, so... Smaller banks um, and fintechs, um, you know, certainly have a competitive disadvantage over uh, um, as compared with um, large banks, which um, many perceive as um, safer and, you know, because they are perceived to be too big to fail. Actually, I think the government's actions over the weekend Um, to step in and uh, guarantee deposits, um, maybe evening out that perception. Although, again, SVB was very large. Um, uh, So that might be helpful um, for small banks competing with big banks. Um, For fintechs competing with banks, I think it's, they're certainly at a disadvantage given what I said earlier about the potential for the government to back all deposits uh, in banks, not just those under Mm $250,000. I imagine that would have quite a lot of knock-on effects for the government in general, though. Would they be able to implement that? Well, you know, I think, yes, because the assumption is there won't be a complete collapse of uh, banks, 
you know, um, there's no reason to fear that. Mm -hmm. So I don't expect the government will have to rush in and uh, provide support to every American depositor. I just don't see that as likely. But again, it, it, it is an incredible, the confidence that the government action uh, will inspire in bank depositors is wonderful, but will create a significant competitive advantage for banks over fintechs. Mm-hmm. I realize now this question is uh, quite a difficult one to answer, but where do you see the financial landscape going over the next few years and what do you hope we will achieve? I think that we are, that is a difficult question to answer. I think there are many factors going on. Um, talk about a big puzzle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving pieces on this puzzle. Um, I think um, one of the most interesting things um, to think about is what is the Fed going to do, right? I think uh, one of the stark lessons is um increasing uh rates in an effort to uh stem inflation um comes with an impact to banks um that can be very significant right we uh as as you know is about one of the uh key problems uh that SBB faced and in fact many banks faced is losses on bad bets that they took on interest rates, right? They they purchased bonds when interest rates were near zero. They made loans um, at those rates. Those are understandable things they did. But now with the steady uh, interest rate increases, um, they've uh, faced a lot of challenges. So I think that's an interesting space to watch for how is the Fed going to kind of balance these um, concerns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think on a regulatory um, front, I predict we're going to see hearings uh, very soon um, involving um, the regulators. I I think it's amazing, just shocking. Um, the word shocking keeps being used um, with connection with the SVB, Silvergate, and um, signature failures. And why that's so shocking is not just that those happened fast, right? These happened to well-capitalized, well-financially positioned banks with no um, apparently relevant enforcement action history. Mm -hmm. How did that happen, right? So I think we're going to see lots of heat on the regulators, right? I also think, and I'm sure you've seen this, Isabel, there's a lot of um, support for a narrative taking shape right now that this wouldn't have happened to SBB if if only um, the regulators had had not rolled back certain uh, protections in Dodd-Frank in 2018, right? And a big thing they're talking about there, Isabel, is um, the enhanced prudential standards applicable to uh, banks over $100 million. The, the, one of the changes in 2018 was to change that threshold um, to $250 billion. Um, 
And um, so there's a lot of talk about that being the cause and the need to revisit that change in, in threshold on the enhanced uh, uh, prudential standards. In my opinion, that's um, a bit of uh, aiming a bazooka at um, a much less um, uh, significant and complicated issue, which again, in this case, was um, sound uh, interest rate risk management. In this kind of context, uh, what do you think financial institutions, banks or any kind of financial institutions within this context, what could they do to maintain and accelerate innovation within this kind of uncertain time, do you think? You know, I would have had a really simple answer had we spoken last week, Isabel. <laughs> I, would have said, I would have said banks should focus on partnering with fintechs to drive success. Um, there are many examples of success with this approach, including prominently banking as a service model. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I also would have said fintech should seek to acquire banks in order to take advantage of the competitive advantages we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I would say that in addition to those strategies, fintechs should also consider de novo charter applications. Although this is an uphill climb, Regulators have expressed concern recently about the low rate of new bank formation, and I think recent events showed everyone the peril of fintechs serving many customers while relying on a single bank partnership. And what are you advising your customers? Like the broad, One of the main things that you're advising your customers at the moment in the wake of this weekend? Wow. Well, well you know, it's Tuesday as we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, we spent we spent Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, advising our customers, which are primarily fintech, is about not banks, although we certainly serve banks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we spent um, three days uh, talking about how they could best prepare to quickly report um, on their deposits. That's still good advice. You know, the the FDIC is just not going to write a blanket check. Um, they need to document um, uh, the uh, insured insured status mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and uninsured status of their various deposits that they placed with SBB and the other banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, <laughs> those calls have ceased as of Sunday night when uh, when the government announced they would step up and cover all of the deposits. So um, what we're seeing are a lot of questions um, from the BC community um, uh, on what kind of what to do with these lessons, right? We're fielding questions of we're just starting to field questions again about, huh, how do I become a bank exactly? You know, um, uh, and um, for our bank clients, we are certainly talking about um, how they can uh, make sure they're doing a good job on risk management, particularly interest rate risk management. What is your favorite quote and why? Oh, gosh. Um So I'll be a little colorful now, okay. but uh, my late father, father 
mm-hmm. was a very colorful um, and uh, skeptical person. And he used to say quite often, um, he would cut to the chase on various um, political issues of his day by saying, that's some bullshit. And my shorthand for that, uh, which I often use in text to my children, is TSBS, right? And it's important to um, always keep your eye on really what is really happening, right? And is the narrative that you're reading or hearing um, accurate, or at least does it present a full full picture? So, um, you know, a, a, a healthy skepticism uh, combined with um, an interest in uh, true analysis of, you know, complex issues of the day, I, I think serves us all well. Yeah, I, I would agree, especially in this current climate. Um, now you have your curveball question. That wasn't even the curveball, curveball question. Um, <laughs> if you could turn into another person for the day, who would it be and why? Um, okay, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, I like yes. that. Okay. <laughs> because she's so incredibly cool. Yeah. And she can even look cool in an old pair of black jeans on the Oscars. So, and I can't sing at all. So I would like to sing like Lady Gaga and be able to carry up, carry off a, a, an outfit like that and still seem cool. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That is a very good answer. Uh, how can, how can people get a hold of you? Mm. They can reach out to me at Clara's group and, um, and on LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time and for coming on the show. It's been lovely to have you. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Isabel. Okay. As always, you can reach out and chat with me on my personal LinkedIn or Twitter at Izzy Castro Writes. That's spelled I-Z-Y. But for access to great daily content, check out Fintech Nexus on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also sign up for our daily newsletter, bringing news straight to your inbox. For more fintech podcast fun, check out the website where you can find more fascinating conversations hosted by Peter Renton and Todd Anderson. That's it from me. Until next time, enjoy your downtime. Thank you.